0: It's a pleasure to catch up with our friend and ESPN's Major League Baseball Insider. He's on Sunday Night Baseball, and you can hear him now via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. He's Buster Olney joining us here on the show. Buster, we appreciate the time as always. How are you doing today, my friend?
1: I'm doing great. Great to talk with you again.
0: Absolutely. We're thrilled to have you on. So let's let's get, first of all, kind of your big picture impressions of this Cardinals team in 2022. You've seen a decent amount of them with Sunday Night Baseball and then be on ESPN a couple of times recently. What do you think about these Cardinals?
1: Yeah, so the first time that they were on Sunday Night Baseball, I was actually not at that game. My daughter graduated from college, um, so I, I was not there for that. But I was around them over the weekend and playing the Cubs. And it was the first time uh, that I thought of them as being a team that had the potential to win a World Series. You know, I thought I'd, I picked them to win the division at this, at this, uh, during spring training, but I didn't really think of them as potentially being a team that could climb into the, you know, the bracket of clubs like the Dodgers and the Braves. Uh, you know, this season's gone along, you know, teams like the Yankees the Mets. But after seeing them over the weekend, absolutely they're capable of that. And you can just see this great mix of young players coming up, the older guys, you know, Paul Goldschmidt being an MVP candidate, um, a lot of excitement around the guys coming back from injury, uh, and knowing as well that they've certainly got a lot of uh, you know potential chips to deal if they decide they want to go out in the trade market and do something. And let's face it, if you're <clears throat> uh, in the National League Central you're probably going to have a little easier path than if you were one of the other two divisions. I, I think it's a really dangerous team as we go, uh, go through the last two-thirds of the regular season. Uh,
0: well, Buster, we love hearing that. And you mentioned the trade deadline. That's a topic that we've discussed earlier today on our show because, of course, now you're starting to get the way-too-early trade projections of teams that could be buyers and sellers. Do the Cardinals strike you as a team, Buster, that should be in the market to acquire something
1: at the deadline? I think, and I don't know how you guys feel about this. I think a lot of that's going to depend on what Flaherty is when he comes back. Yep. Right. Um, <clears throat> we don't know exactly, you know, how healthy he's going to be. Is he a guy who's going to come back and be a number one, number two type as he was in the past, or is it going to be something less than that? If he's not that guy, then I think that probably is the thing that you're out in the marketplace looking for. They have so much depth. <clears throat> excuse me, guys, among the position players that they can figure that out Uh, and and their bullpen is better and deeper than I think a lot of people expected when the year started. But that rotation around Wainwright, uh, you feel like they're going to need some other high end guy, you know, in order to, to help them beat the Dodgers, you know, he beat the Mets, beat the Braves. And, you know, we'll see if Flaherty can be that guy. So I, that would be my response, but here's the, the trouble with that, we can you know, I can be in uh you know, loud loudmouth and say, yeah, yeah, they need to go out and get a number one or number two type starter and I was looking at the market actually this morning in relation to the Toronto Blue Jays because they you know, Hunjin Ryu is probably gonna be out and I was looking at, you know, potential frontline starting pitching. There's not a lot out there. Like you could probably if the Phillies wind up uh you know slumping again Uh, after uh, firing Joe Girardi, and at some point they might have to make a decision on whether or not to get Bryce Harper surgery, you could probably call them to ask about Zach Wheeler. I don't think they're going to trade him. And once you start going team by team by team, maybe the best available guy is Frankie Montas of the Oakland Athletics. And we know that Mo can make trades with, uh, with Billy Bean, so that would be a possibility, but there are not a lot of options.
0: Uh, Buster, the one that we brought up from the Phillies wasn't Zach Wheeler. What are your thoughts on possibly uh, Aaron Nola?
1: See, I don't. And just uh, I'll just give you guys an experience. A couple of years ago, I heard from other teams that uh, their former general manager uh, had spoken with rival clubs during the wintertime and said, "Hey, by the way, if we were to put Wheeler out there, uh, you know what? Uh, what sort of uh, you know conversation could we have? You know, maybe we'll listen on Wheeler." And I reported that, and John Middleton, their owner, called me and said he wouldn't trade Wheeler for uh, vintage Babe Ruth, okay? John Middleton was a wrestler in college. He's unbelievably competitive. And the idea that he would trade Aaron Nola with a, an affordable option for 2023 and Nola's contract, I just don't see it. <laughs> there might be some teams that uh, you know would look at the value of Nola flipping that, uh, a player you know, a a year and a half away from becoming a free agent. Uh, And you can make a case that would be the right thing to do. John Middleton, I ain't buying it because he's not trading any one of his pitchers right now for a dead guy is what he told me.
0: Okay, well, (laughs) that does make (laughs) sense. You ain't
1: making that trade then.
0: (laughs) I, uh, I, I assumed that they would, when they put together a beer league softball team behind their pitchers, Buster, I just kind of assumed that they didn't view pitching as being as important as the rest of us do.
1: Yeah, that's why when they fired Joe last week, and look, you know, I think Joe's a great guy. I think he's a great baseball guy. He also is known to be tense, uh, and players around that, some, some of them don't like it. I don't think it matters if you put Tony La Russa, John McGraw, Connie Mack his manager of that team. When you have a, a club that's that defensively challenged, that's pretty hard to win. And that's what the Phillies were, especially with what's going on with Bryce Harper. That's been the X Factor where because of this elbow injury, uh, they had to play Castellanos and Schwarber at the corners, and that's not what the plan was going into spring training.
0: We're talking to Buster only here on 101 ESPN. Uh, Buster, earlier you mentioned the young players that have come up and afforded the, the Cardinals the luxury of having a lot of flexibility. Even while Dylan Carlson and Tyler O'Neill have been out, they haven't missed a beat offensively with players like Brendan Donovan and Juan Yepes, and now Nolan Gorman coming up and producing offensively. What have you seen from those young guys? And I also just want to ask you about kind of big picture-wise with them, the Cardinals' ability to develop these guys. What does that say about their minor league system right now as well?
1: Yeah, that they're doing a great job. And look, the other day before the Sunday night game, we're in with David Ross uh, and going over the roster, and, and he mentioned, yeah, they got the young guy over there. Boy, does he look good. And I can't remember who it was, but one of our guys said, you mean Gorman? He goes, no, no, not him, Donovan. He's like, oh, my God, the quality of his at-bats. And, you know, the, the previous day, uh, my colleague Jesse Rogers done the story in which Albert's complimenting Epez in terms of his, his bat-to-ball ratio. When we were driving away after the game, after he drove in the you know, a key run uh, at the end of that game, David Cohen in the car was like, that guy, can, he's got a swing. So you love those guys. Uh, you know, Ollie was telling us a story about how in spring training, you know, he, he was hearing from developmental people about Donovan and how Donovan's a gamer. And it doesn't matter if you put him in, uh, you put him in right field, you put him at second base, he's just going to play, right? He's going to find a way to get the job done. And then he goes out after we hear those stories, he goes out and throws, throws out two base runners and has these great at bats in that game. I, I, they were incredibly impressive. With that being
0: said, Buster, I mean the the youth has been so impressive for this Cardinals team this season, but how much impact do you think those young players are getting from the veteran presence in that clubhouse with Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright and Albert Pujols?
1: Yeah, among the stupid picks that I made before the year started, I did feel like the reason why I picked the Cardinals that we were going to win the division is I I felt like you know, on those slow uh, getaway days on a Thursday when you're in Pittsburgh, that those players would generate energy. The old guys of, uh, of Wainwright uh, and Yachty and Pujols would help those guys get through. And then Ollie told me this great story about how they had a 12-15 star one day in Baltimore. You know, and let's face it, as much as we like to look at these guys as playing uh, Little League, it's like any other job. You're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days. 12-15 start in Baltimore against a bad team, uh, and he asked Albert, hey, you good to go in this game? And Albert's like, no problem. I got it. And Albert, in his first plate appearance, comes up and hits a pop-up in the infield, and he runs as hard as he can to the degree that when the ball was caught, he was around first base. Now, said, like, the feel in the dugout was like, oh, okay, let's go. <laughs> like, Albert, Albert's into this, and it's you know, it's a 12:15 start, but it absolutely energized the players. you heard great stories about Albert and how he's connected with players. Let me tell you, guys, it's not always that way. Uh, you know, Derek Jeter, to me, is you know, whenever I hear people say that he's you know overrated, I laugh at that. He was a great player. He was great for baseball. And at the end of his career, at times he could be kind of difficult, right? He wouldn't be the guy who would – you know, say to Joe Girardi, go ahead, hit me anywhere you want in the lineup. I don't care how you use me. Uh, Albert has done that. When we it, it had that game on Sunday night and the Cubs bringing a tough right-hander, throwing from the side, they pinch it for Albert. There are a lot of stars uh, who would not accept that. The fact that Albert's embracing everything put on the table in front of him by the organization tells you how invested he is and understanding what his role is on this team
0: buster you've mentioned ollie marmel a couple of times we're talking to buster only of espn.com he's joining us here on bk and ferrario for another couple of minutes i've been so impressed by what we've seen so far this year out of ollie and i just didn't know what we were going to get out of him because he has never been in this position before but what we saw this weekend with his bullpen management was I mean, really remarkable. And it reminded me of something that you would see from the Rays, so a creative organization like that. And yeah. then what we've seen from imposition player wise reminds me a lot of the flexibility that we saw last year from the Giants. What's been your early impression of Ollie Marmel? And how do you think he's done learning on the job thus far this season?
1: When we were in the car, you know, driving back to the hotel after that game the other night, the conversation in the car was, okay, who does Alia remind you of as the manager? For me, it was Alex Gore and Kevin Cash, which is why I was laughing uh, when you mentioned the Rays. You know, Kevin is the the manager at Tampa Bay. He does a great job. He has a great feel for players. There's a combination of humor but seriousness. Uh, and, And I don't really know him that well, but just the feel around the team was so good And it really struck me. Like, I I talked to him uh, before the game on Saturday, the doubleheader. Uh, We talked to him before the game on Sunday, and he's, you know, having some laughs with us, telling us about how Adam Wainwright's texting him uh, late on Saturday after the doubleheader saying, hey, Skip, I'll give you 130 pitches. (laughs) And then when I did the in-game interview with him in the middle of the fourth inning, it absolutely jumped out at me like – his demeanor completely changed. Like he was like, he was all business. Give me your questions. Let's get on. I got a game to manage, which I thought was great. Uh, and the way that you would, you would want to manage I, I I was really impressed in my, in my first uh, run through seeing the Cardinals with him at the helm.
0: It's interesting Buster. Cause I I, I know for Cardinals fans, they remember TLR and the post game interviews from him yep. were obviously intense. And he would tell you beforehand, Hey, I'll let you know coming up at like 10 o'clock how I'm feeling for the day. Right. And with, with Ollie, it's not that way at all. It's different. And, and Ollie is a guy who you come in and you ask the questions post game. And you've been in these set- settings before where you never really know what the manager's going to be like after a tough loss, for example. Cardinals had one of those earlier this season. And Danny Mack has relayed uh, this story a few different times. Somebody came in and they, they were asking a question. They were kind of tepid about it. And he was like, hey, Hey, we lost a game. We're all right. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Just ask your question. Whatever you got for me, I'm happy to answer it. And it's been just kind of refreshing, honestly, and seeing that because you don't always get that sense from a manager, especially in those post-game press conference uh, availabilities after a tough loss.
1: There's no doubt about it. I, I've always felt like in those settings, that reflected the true confidence uh, or uh, someone who's truly confident where, you know, manager, uh, you know, I'll give you, uh, I covered Bruce Bochy when he was a coach with the San Diego Padres. He, you know, he, he, of course, uh, you know, three championships with the the San Francisco Giants. And he was someone, I mean, his demeanor never changed when he was asked questions because he knew that he knew more than I did. (laughs) Right. (laughs) He had the confidence to understand that. And so if I had a stupid question, you know, which is half the time, then he just, you know, moved along and just answered the question as best he could, gave us the information. But he was confident in the fact that he had information, uh, more information than, than uh, you know I did or fans did, and he felt like he was going to do what he thought was right. Now that doesn't mean he always made the right decision. It didn't mean he didn't second guess himself. But he wasn't threatened by the questions. And I agree with you about Ollie. Like that's my first impression. He's like. You know what? Go ahead, ask away. Uh, I know why I made this decision. I'm comfortable why I made this decision. That does reflect a lot of confidence.
0: Buster, final couple of things for you. I I did want to make sure we asked you about Adam Wainwright because he's once once again been just so impressive to start out the season. Thrown 66 innings, has a 2.75 ERA now on the season. I did this the other day. I looked up what his first three years were in the big leagues in terms of the innings and the ERA, and then what his last three years have been. He has been better over the last three years ERA-wise than he was his first three years in the bigs when he was 24, 25, and 26 years old. What have you made from his late career renaissance? And do you think he's going to be coming back next year?
1: Uh, it's great to just ask that because I asked out of Adam on Saturday, uh, and sorry for a little self-promotion. We're going to run the full interview on the podcast that he do uh, next week. Um, I, I I believe it. Now, when I asked him that he is going to come back, Uh, to to pitch in the big leagues. Now, um, when I asked him about, okay, what do you think about next year? He basically said he's not thinking beyond this year. He's enjoying the experience. Uh, I think he loves to pitch. But there are a couple of factors involved. One, he obviously has figured out, you know, as he talked about, you know, when he sort of redevoted himself to his craft, got in better shape, lost a lot of weight, uh, probably – you know, began to double down in terms of his thoughts and his preparation going into each starts. Uh, he's someone who can still be a really good pitcher, and I think this works well for him in this generation of pitchers where everyone's thrown 98. You get the, the crafty guy who knows that, uh, you know, hitters want to swing the bat, and he has the ability to use that aggressiveness against them, and he still loves to make adjustments. The other day when I talked to him uh, about his curveball, He mentioned that it was about 10 days ago when he was having a conversation with Libertor who asked him, hey, show me how you grip your curveball. And Adam, who'd been – he felt like he'd been throwing more of a rolling curveball early this season, held the baseball up. And then he was like, that's what I'm doing wrong. He realized he hadn't been gripping the ball the same way that he had since his brother Trey showed him the grip when he's 12 years old. You know, rather than than grip the baseball – with the edge of his thumb, he was gripping it with the fingerprint side of his thumb. He changed that and felt it right away. And in that start against the Padres, when he, you know, one hit, seven innings, struck out 10. That was the first start after he made that adjustment. We saw against the Cubs the other night, even when he didn't necessarily have great stuff, he found a way. Absolutely, I think he's going to pitch in 2023. And we talked about the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's face it. You know, he, He's a guy who's got a real shot at it. I do think it's going to help his chances if he pitches at least a couple more years
0: uh, follow up on that real quick buster we'll get you out of here on this one albert's a no-brainer obvious first ballot hall of famer he's th- there's there's no even question about that Yachty, no. goldie arenado Waino, those four how many of them do you think end up getting into the hall of fame when all is said and done
1: i think all four do uh you know i, I mean i've I, i've talked to you before about molina i think the you know, the, the, a lot of the metrics don't reflect his excellence uh, and his defensive domination. To me, you know, I always heard the phrase in the NFL, you know, the shutdown corner. It's like the Cardinals all these years have had Deion Sanders behind home plate in terms of his impact on running games. Uh, and I I think he should be someone who should be a slam dunk first ballot guy. You know, Goldie, soon you guys would be talking about his 1,000th run, his 1,000th RBI, his three hundred Palmer uh he has a chance clearly this year to be in the mvp conversation so he's building a resume and as they say i i mean if adam finishes this year with almost 200 wins not that we care as much about wins as we used to in the past but once you start getting into that and you understand the breadth of what he's accomplished in his career he gets to 220 230 yeah i think he's getting in as well
0: buster it's been awesome to catch up again man we always appreciate the time all the best to you and the family and we'll talk with you again soon man
1: That sounds great. You guys have fun. That'll be a fun team to watch
0: this year. Absolutely. It has been so far. We're looking forward to it the rest of the season. That's Buster Olney, one of the best in the business, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Let's react to that on the other side. I think the biggest thing that I took away, I mean, there's a ton there, and we'll talk about a lot of it tomorrow when we have a little bit more time to be able to really expand His comparisons for Ollie Marmel stood out to me. Oh, my God, yeah. If you could hear your manager compared to any two individuals, it would be these two. If you missed his answer on that, we'll get to that on the other side here on 101 ESPN.